Welcome, folks, to year 10 of the Take the Points College Football Podcast. We have been around so long that when we started, there were only like two college football podcasts in existence. And then there were like a hundred. And now we're back to having about six. So we've seen the rise and fall of college football podcasting. We've outlasted them all. We are somewhere in the middle. Definitely not the best. Definitely not the worst. It's Take the Points. I'm Tom, and I'm here with Dan and Ryan celebrating year 10. Say hello, fellas. Hello, listeners. Excited for year 10. Let's go. Decade in. Feels like only yesterday. All right. Our podcast will be beginning middle school soon. Um, All right. Here's what we're going to (laughs) do. We're bringing back two of our most popular segments ever. We've got two new segments, and then we're going to talk about the lines, not necessarily in that order. But the first thing we're going to do is start a brand new segment that will go for at least four weeks, I'm predicting. It's called the Frost Advisory, a check-in on America's favorite coach, Scott Frost. We are recording this on Wednesday, August 31st in the evening, four days after Nebraska's triumphant defeat. In Dublin against North, wait, I definitely said that wrong. You know what I'm talking about. Nebraska shit the bet against Northwestern in Dublin. Lost a close game as Scott Frost has done, what, Ryan, 20, 21 times now, losing by one score. Uh, Brings his overall record to 15 and 30. Ryan, you have a fun fact about that. Oh, (laughs) something about uh, how he needs to win like 50 games straight to match. Oh, yeah. yeah, if he, he wins 50 games in a row, he would still have a worse record than Bo Pelini had at Nebraska. <laughs> That's not great. Bo Pelini, no, Mac, no, it's not. Mac 2024 superstar coach, Bo Pelini, and take the points favorite. So I have a million thoughts on Scott Frost in Nebraska, but I want to give you guys a chance to weigh in first. So Dan Ryan, whoever wants to start, tell us about the Frost Advisory and why we're doing this. Well, Tom, the tarmac just wasn't enough. Sometimes we like to spring a tarmac on you, give you a little, a little heads up, a little idea of what we think's coming. Other times, we know exactly what's coming. We're on the tracks. We got a daiquiri. We got a lawn chair. We see the train, but we're good. It's a ways away. Don't worry about my stigmatism. My depth perception's fine these days. I see the train. We're, we're totally fine. We got till what? December till the buyout comes. We got a lot of, lot of leeway on this segment, Tom. I like it. Well, I, first off, you know, in case we have new listeners, the tarmac report Ryan references is his world famous segment about the worst coaches in America, uh, based on our friend Lane Kiffin, who was famously left on the tarmac in Phoenix. Correct. Phoenix. Correct. Okay. And so uh, we'll be checking in all year or as long as he lasts on coach Scott Frost. Um, Here's what I want to say. There's so many things. Um, I kept hearing during this game and I've kept seeing written and I've heard in a million other Nebraska games about how, oh, he keeps losing these close games. Oh, they're so close. Oh, they really should be like, you know, his overall record should be like 500 or whatever. At some point, 
when you lose every close game over and over, maybe that's a pattern. Maybe that's not just bad luck where Scott Frost is losing every game. Maybe that actually is coaching. And the fact that they're in all these close games means that they have the talent. They are Nebraska. They still have some talent on that roster. And the fact they keep losing over and over in ways like Saturday where they should have won and they choke to me actually makes him look worse because that's a coaching thing. And I don't know what to say. If his name was Scott Smith or his name was Scott Frost and he won a Heisman and a national championship playing for Colorado, he would have been fired two years ago. This, his entire last two years and uh, most of his career at Nebraska has basically just been a retroactive thank you for the 97 season. And they're, they're just so appreciative. They've given him like, you know, $50 million as a thank you. And if he was anybody else, he would be gone by now. Agree? Disagree, fellas? Completely agree. Dan, do you want to talk about Nebraska? Or would you like to move yeah. on to another subject? No, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, Tom. Okay, enough's enough. Uh, everyone else has caught on to the Scott Frost needs to be fired thing. We started this three years ago. Every well, the past week in college football is about how he's supposed to be fired. But here in Take the Points, we don't mess around. We have a Frost advisory, and I'm not, I'm not wasting any more time. We're doing Coach's Restaurant right now, Scott Frost, part two. So Coach's Restaurant, fun segment on Take the Points where we say which college coach would, would be or where each uh, potential college coach, if he wasn't coaching football, which restaurant would he work in? Um, we had a lot of fun ones last year. Steve Adazio working at Long John Silver's. Um, uh, and, and the first one that we did was Scott Frost working at Chili's uh, because Chili's is terrible. But due to the events that have transpired over the last year and what happened last week against Northwestern, we have no choice but to do a redux version of Scott Frost. He's been fired from Chili's, folks. He's at a new place. He's now the food and beverage manager at 7-Eleven. Now, let me explain oh why. The food at 7-Eleven is bad, and people that buy it make questionable slash bad choices. Scott Frost makes questionable and bad choices, like kicking an onside kick up double digits in the second half. He'll seamlessly transition. People who go to 7-Eleven are looking to make some bad choices. They're like, I'll take a hot dog that's been there for 37 hours. That churro's green, but that looks good to me. He'll be he'll fit right in there. He couldn't handle the complexities of chilies, trying to figure out how to keep the fajitas hot and sizzling while making it out to the table. He couldn't figure out the chips and salsa. So now he's at 7-Eleven. He just needs to manage the nacho cheese the hot dog machine, and the Slurpees and Big Gulps. So only four key items. It remains to be seen if he'll be able to do this. We might have a part three later in the year. Uh, but right now, he's moved on from Chili's. He's at 7-Eleven. He's making bad decisions. And uh, that's where we're at with Scott Frost. Can I say how much I've missed the coaches' restaurant segments? I was going to just text you these in the offseason and just you know do it one-on-one. So what is down from 7-Eleven? I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but like, can you name some potential next stops? 
I think um, the next logical stop would be to for him to operate a hot dog cart outside of concert venues. Uh, that's the only thing I can really think that's a step down. It might be a step up. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that requires a lot of like quick thinking and, you know, quick turnaround and customer service. Another option I was considering today was him running his own um, um, uh, iced tea stand in his neighborhood. Maybe like maybe like some, like lemonade at the corner. Like a lemonade shop? Yeah, they're like, hey, look, it's Scott selling fucking lemonade on the corner. Let's give him a dollar and, you know, help, help him out because he's having a hard time at it. So he might be running the uh, local lemonade stand in your neighborhood by mid-October, but that remains to be seen. Question. When Scott Frost is managing the 7-Eleven, every time a customer comes in and buys a lottery ticket, do you think he says, good luck, guys? I already had my lottery ticket and I blew it all. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. And he's the ultimate jinx. There are no lot of winners at that 7-Eleven for sure. I mean, you know, maybe there's some kind of rehabilitation program here where he can run like, um, you know, a big brother type program for future failed coaches or just other ones. Like he can, you know, look at the next Steve Adazio and be like, it's okay. I know because I've been where you are right now. And I can tell you it gets better. Uh, maybe. Well, only time will tell. I have a feeling we only have about five weeks left to talk about Scott Frost. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah. So I'll revise. I, I sent you guys a long prediction. And the, the gist of it was that he would be fired sometime around, um, you know, November because their schedules uh light on the front and then it's really heavy on the last like four to five weeks. Obviously now they can lose to Northwestern week one. They could lose to anyone, but my new prediction is he'll hang around a little longer than people expect. And it'll be Minnesota is where he goes. So you can look that one up on the schedule, but the Minnesota game, PJ Fleck will end his career. I'm on board. Chang sung by a guy in a suit. Tough way to go. bro. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you killed by a pit bull impersonator. Um, all right, uh, Ryan, do we want to keep this train rolling and move into our third popular segment, the tarmac report, or shall we get into the lines and surprise people later? We're going to get into some lines and kind of see how things go. <laughs> see if I get, see how frisky I get. All right, you got to save some surprises for later. All right, folks. This is week one. All right, here we go. Let's get going here. Thursday night, West Virginia at Pitt. Pitt minus seven and a half, over under 51 and a half. A lot of changes for both schools. Uh, Graham Harrell comes in as offensive coordinator at West Virginia, brings JT Daniels at his 37th college to see if he can run the uh, high-octane offense. Pitt, of course, loses Kenny Pickett to the Pittsburgh Steelers, loses Addison to USC. Uh, they do transfer in Kelvin Slovis from USC. I think that was a straight-up trade that they made there. Um, they also have a new offensive coordinator, as Mark Whipple has joined Scott Frost's uh, band of losers in Nebraska. This is an interesting game. Um, we haven't seen JT Daniels play any football in a long time. Um, you know, we assumed he'd be the starter for Georgia. That didn't happen. Uh, he's had injury issues. To think that he's just going to turn it on quickly is, is a lot to expect. Pitt, um, you know, uh, 
is a big question mark. Uh, people say that they are going to be just fine without Pick and Addison. I'm not sure. New offensive, new offensive coordinator, and more importantly, they're still they still got the same head coach in uh, Narduzzi, and anything can happen with him. It could be zero zero at half. It could be thirty five thirty one at half. He can blow it to a MAC team. He can beat Clemson. You have no idea. Um, therefore, I like the over in this game, a 51 and a half. Uh, Graham Harrell, as we know from Texas Tech years, uh, likes to throw it all over the yard. Um, I think um, Pitt's going to be able to score ease on a terrible West Virginia defense. Um, I think West Virginia's coach is also going to get fired this year, but that's maybe up to Ryan to discuss. Um, but anyway. Thursday night, first row game of the year. Put some money on the over and have some fun. I hope you bet the over in Vandy, Hawaii. Same same scenario. Uh, if you don't know, early in the season, just bet the over. Everyone's healthy. Uh, there's not a lot of film on people. Offenses seem to flourish in the good weather. So um, high of 80 degrees in Pittsburgh tomorrow night. Uh, sunny, beautiful, over 51 and a half. Ryan? In Nardog, we trust. I'm taking Pitt. I'm taking the over. I'm hooking it with confidence. Let's go. I kind of agree with you, Ryan, too. If I had to pick a side, I'd take Pitt. I think West Virginia is going to be terrible. I don't know if JT Daniels is any good. But I got a feeling like even if they're down like 38-17 in the fourth quarter, they're going to throw the ball every play, like one of those type teams. So um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of the over. All right, Tom, I know you got thoughts on this one. Week one, Penn State at Purdue. Three and a half point favorite on the road, total 53 and a half. Uh, just go ahead and take it away. You said favorite in a way that make that indicated like you thought that Purdue should be favored. Is that correct? Or are you just enunciating for kind of? Yeah. Uh, I don't understand this. Line. I, I, I personally think it's a pick them. I think it's uh, probably a four or five point um, favorite on a neutral field. You give Purdue the home field. I mean, everyone's going to be wearing black night game, first game of the year. Um, that kind of scares me. But go ahead, Tom. Tell me why uh, or what side you're leaning and why. Yeah, I hate it. Uh, as a Penn State fan, I, I think me and all other Penn State fans are nervous that this could be an outright upset Thursday night on the road against a Purdue team that's always feisty and tough. Um we do know that Purdue is better when they play teams that are ranked like third in the country than just an unranked team. So if Penn state was ranked fifth, I'd be super worried. Um, Penn state's Penn state's got better talent. I mean, for sure. Purdue lost their two best players last year in David Bell and um, the, the lineman whose name I can't pronounce, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, high draft pick, um, of course, you know, they've got O'Connell at QB who is a gunslinger and they can score points and they got a, what I consider a great coach. Although Ryan's the judge of that. Um, I don't know. It's really hard as a Penn state fan, because if we get the Sean Clifford that played in 2019 in the first, you know, month of last year, then I'm confident this is like a 31, 21 Penn state win. If we get the Sean Clifford from 2020 or from post Iowa last year, then they're probably going to lose outright. So, uh, I, I don't know. I'm sticking with my team. I'm going to take Penn state. I think that, uh, they're going to be better than people anticipate this year. I think that Clifford's back and healthy. If anything happens to them, they have a very 
capable stud freshman quarterback. They're not bringing in Taquan Roberts, Roberson, who we can talk about later when we get to UConn. Um, they have more talent, and I'll go with the team with more talent. Penn State. Uh, I'm going to go under. Like, this is still James Franklin with time to prepare. That dude wants this game to be 6-3 early third quarter with a chance on it, with a short field to work with. That's all he wants. So I'm taking the under. We're not going to get a ton of chances to take Penn State unders, Tom, because Clifford's going to be done within, what, three weeks max? The freshman's going to take his job. So Possibly, yes. I think – I, I think you're going to bet unders on Penn State while Clifford's the quarterback, and when he's gone, reassess. But until then, unders. Yeah, for those who don't know, I mean, Penn State are, is bringing in a great recruiting class, including like one of the best QBs in the country and the Gatorade Player of the Year best running back in the country, uh, Nick Singletary. So they've got a lot of talent, like just kind of percolating and, you know, not quite ready to go, but they're going to hopefully be real good like soon dan thoughts super hard game to pick um i lean purdue in the points i think it's a three-point game either way um i like how penn state did transfer in the stud wide receiver from western Kentucky last year they're number one um i think he's a great year um i like his quarterback i don't know if purdue can run the ball maybe joey porter jr will help the secondary. I just have no idea. And I, I, I just don't like laying points at Penn state for me. I'll probably take Purdue plus three and a half, uh, real small bet, if anything, but it's a game that I kind of just want to watch and kind of learn about both teams, but, um, hard spot. Don't see a lot of value there. All right. We're moving on to Friday, Illinois, fresh off their big win over Wyoming at Indiana. Indiana at home, minus one and a half, total 46. Tom, new Illinois quarterback, Tommy DeVito. People are very excited about this. He won a game. Should they? Or and that's why I went to you instead of Ryan, because, because it's Tommy. But uh, should people be excited, or should they realize that they played Wyoming? You're, you Please uh, break us down here. You want my take on this or Ryan's? I think we agree. <laughs> Tommy DeVito, first off, trans. our theory is he transferred from Syracuse to Illinois so he could just wear the same clothes. Like he didn't have to change the color of his clothes. He's not the first guy to do that. I think Lovey Smith has done that like three times in his career. You know, you just get the job where you can still wear the same orange and blue stuff. Um, Tommy DeVito is not good. Uh, he had ample time to prove himself at Syracuse and it didn't work out. But I'm going to I'm going to surprise you here because I think Indiana is looking real bad this year. And you know, all the reports say that they're not going to be any good. And so I kind of think Illinois might actually win another game and then really get people's hopes up and there might be an opportunity to really hammer their opponent in a week or two. That's my hope. So Illinois. Very good. Ryan, please talk about Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito plus Brett Bilema. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Can we get a new sponsor for like Pepto-Abysmal or Tums? 
trying to watch some of this Big Ten slop. <laughs> this is this game is so unbearably bad. I'm just going to take Indiana because they're home. They've had more time to prepare for this game. Uh, Illinois had to had to get ready for Wyoming. It's kind of feeling themselves a little bit, thinking they're they're real good. Uh, I think this is where they get brought down to uh, to where they belong. So I'm going to take Indiana on this. One and a half doesn't scare me. I just want to note that uh, as an avid watcher of the Big Ten channel, Pepto-Bismol is way too impressive of a company to advertise in a Big Ten game like this. Um, the normal advertisers for the Big Ten channel are like clear duct tape and Carhartt boxer shorts. Those are two like prominent advertisers. So it's not going to be the Walmart brand. Yeah. It's got to be like, you know, Dr. What is it? Dr. Rockets and acid or something. Great value (laughs) brand Tums. So fun. Moving Uh, on. Yeah. The only thing I have to say about this is everyone's excited at Illinois offensive line averaging over 320 pounds. Great. Who gives a shit? Uh, Eventually it's going to fall apart. It may not be, but Tom, uh, week uh, five, uh, October 1st at Wisconsin. So I hope Illinois is four and O and that line's like six and I'll just bet a ton on Wisconsin. So there we go. Um, All right. Moving on to Saturday. I'm trying to pick and choose our our spots here. Brian, you got another one. Yeah. I just got to say Friday night, favorite bet of the entire week one slate TCU minus 13 and a half against Colorado. That's going to be an absolute slaughter, like absolute mangling 48 to 21 at best for Colorado. That might be, that might be really bad. 45, 17. So that's my 100% favorite bet of the week is TCU. That's a really good point. Colorado's awful. They might be the worst power five school of of all the power fives. Uh, They they have nobody. They have no coach. They have no players, no interest. That program has completely fallen apart. And they they, they have a chance to uh, honestly win maybe like one game this year. So, uh, and and, and also it's a new coach at TCU and they'll have some excitement. So uh, it should be a blowout. Good call on that. All right, let's move on to Saturday. Um, Colorado State, speaking of new coaches, now that Steve Adazio is uh, working at Long John's, travels to Ann Arbor to take on the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan laying 30 and a half, total of 61 and a half. Colorado State brings in uh, Jay Norvell of Nevada um, with his, I believe he brought his quarterback with him. He's running a spread form, trying to change everything up overnight there. Adazio likes smash mouth football and throwing the tight end. Uh, Norvell will be the opposite with four or five wide and throwing it all over the lot. Uh, Michigan is pulling some weird shit. Uh, they're, they're starting one. They're starting um, one quarterback this week. Next week they're starting the other quarterback. Then they're going to make a decision before the crucial game against UConn. Uh, Ryan Point Harbaugh kept eighty-eight scholarship peep, uh, players on the team, and now it's an eighty-five limit. So three players are going to lose scholarship in the next twenty-four hours. What a dirt bag. The question I have for you guys is how bad is Will Harbaugh try to run this up? Is 30 and a half too high, or is he going to try to score 70 on Colorado State itself? Ryan? 
he's such a dick. He's gonna he's gonna try to run it up. It's gonna get bad. Like I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna actually like actively try to run it up, but they're gonna get like what two defensive touchdowns, maybe a special teams play. I yeah, this is gonna be like 70 to 7. Yeah. I personally love the over in this game of 61 and a half. Michigan will try to score 63 by themselves. Maybe Colorado State gets a couple, like 17 points with some uh, nonsense, but I, I'm pretty sure Michigan flies over 40 points on uh, on, on their own. So I'm a big fan of the over. Habra uh, always has one game a year where he tries to score 70 points. So this, this might be it. Tom, what do you think? Well, I think it's pretty simple. Cade McNamara – you know, their starting quarterback took them to the playoff last year, and now they've got two starting caliber quarterbacks. So obviously they'll be twice as good. So I think it's just, they're just unstoppable. Now I actually, I got a lot to say about Michigan in future weeks, but for this week, I think you guys are right on like Colorado state doesn't seem like they can match up. I actually don't know how much they'll run it up. Cause I think they're, they're literally going to run it up, like just run every play and gain like seven or eight yards every single play. So it might be long drives, sustained drives, and you know time of possession, which would limit the damage they can actually do. But I do think they will control the game. All right, moving along. North Carolina, Appalachian State. North Carolina, minus one and a half, over under 56. I would like to start this one, gentlemen. Last year, we, we identified Missouri's defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, as being a coach who's unable to coach college football. They had the worst rushing defense in the nation as an SEC school. I wondered if we get the same chance to bet against a coach this year. Well, take a guess what? We are, we've been blessed by the college football gods, folks. North Carolina has hired Gene Chizik to be the defensive coordinator. Now, here on Take the Points, we have a fun segment called Coach's Restaurant, which we've already talked about. Gene Chizik literally did his own Coach's Restaurant. He's been working at Louie's Fried Chicken in Auburn, Alabama the, flat, the past few years. He went from national championship coach to fired because Cam Newton said he didn't have any plays to working at Louie's Fried Chicken. Now he's the defensive coordinator at North Carolina. Last week, North Carolina played against FAMU. FAMU almost canceled the game on Friday because they were short 30 scholarship players due to academic issues. FAMU said, fuck it. We're still going to play the game. We need to check. They went up to North Carolina on the road to an ACC school and scored 24 points, not in garbage time, in the first three quarters. That's all I need to know, folks. Add that with the fact that North Carolina's quarterback, the freshman, threw for 370 yards and five touchdowns, and add that on to uh, Josh Downs being one of the top five best college football receivers this year. Total for this game is only 56. Over every week, the entire year on North Carolina, there's no way it's going to be a loser at the end of the year. This is like betting against Adazio last year or betting Missouri overs. It's the new theory for this year. Every week, North Carolina over. Gene Chiggins can't coach. So my pick in this game is real simple, over 56. Tom, you got anything to add on that? Yeah, to strengthen your case, I watched a good portion of that North Carolina A&M versus A&M game, and I was pretty impressed by North Carolina's freshman quarterback. I thought he looked pretty good. 
And, you know, I was never as blown away by Sam Howell as other people. So, you know, I, I was impressed. So I think they've got a real potential to do some scoring this year with him. And then obviously with uh, Chiswick, I think that's a guaranteed over. I think also, you know, as we think about all these documentaries we want to make, like our third Woodstock documentary, uh, from from Heisman to Chicken Fingers, the Gene Chiswick story, that seems like a good one. <laughs> following from, following starting at the beginning of the 2011 season through like, you know, we'll, we'll end the movie with him, like holding a bucket of chicken and looking sad. Accurate. Very good, Tom. Uh, all right, you guys ready to move on? Let's do it. Let's continue on, on the Saturday slate. Uh, all right, let's just go into it. Oregon, Georgia, from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Very interesting game. Uh, former defensive coordinator Dan Lanning is now the head coach of Oregon. Georgia, fresh off a national championship. How will they handle actually being a national champion? The line's 17. The total's 53. Uh, you got you know, obviously Lanning knows Georgia. Oregon lost some players in the transfer portal, but it's still a physical team. Um, as you saw that they beat Ohio State last year. Then again, they did get smashed in the mouth by Utah multiple times. Um, Ryan, can you break this game down, please? I wish I could, Dan, but I honestly don't really have a great feel for this game. Um, there's a lot of question marks on both sides. Uh, Oregon, obviously, it's a style um, question for me. Like, I just don't know how they're going to play, what they're going to be like. Um if I had to pick, honestly, I'm probably leaning towards Oregon and taking the points just because there's some backdoor garbage time potential because it's Oregon and they do have great athletes. And all you need is, you know, the Texas 200 meter state champ to get free in the fourth quarter and take one for 70 yards, you know, to, to be down two scores instead of three. So, I don't have a great feel, but I'm going to, I'm going to lean towards just taking the points. Z. Yeah. Very difficult one for me as well. You know, all the bells and whistles in my mind go off about these opening season, uh, sec versus non sec team games where we've seen it so many times where we think they may be sort of evenly matched. And then the sec team just shows the physical difference between that league and every other league. Um, of course, most of those games we've seen, several of which have featured Oregon specifically, were in like the Chip Kelly or Helfrich era. And Oregon, you know, under Cristobal became a much more physical team, which I'm assuming will continue under Dan Lanning. Lanning has the advantage of uh, basically designing Georgia's defense and, you know, be, or yeah, maybe not designing, but at least being an integral part of that championship team. And you would think he knows some sort of state secrets there. It's really tough though, for me to pick this Oregon team. Uh, who's our Oregon quarterback nowadays? No idea. We don't know, right? It's a new guy. Yeah. Anthony Brown's on the Ravens. <laughs> what? Yeah. Believe it or not. How? He, as like a, as like a holder. He's the third quarterback behind Hunley, who's, by the way, like the 15th best quarterback in the whole NFL. Uh, he just happens to be the number two on his own team. Um, yeah. Hunley's great. Brown shouldn't even have, he shouldn't have played 
in the Pac-12. I it's it, I completely agree, Tom. I don't know what the hell's going on. All right, yeah, we'll, um, we'll take the points investigation will be underway, folks. We'll get back to you next week. Something's going on. Something shady's happening between <laughs> between Oregon and and Baltimore. Yeah. There's some sort of cash handoff with Phil, Phil Knight's involved. Phil Knight and the guys who make like old base seasoning made some sort of back backroom trade. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I think what this is leaning towards is like, I, I can't in good conscience pick against the sec team, even though I think Georgia lost so much. Um, so I'm thinking maybe an under in this game. A defensive struggle, but I don't think it's going to be way under. I think it's going to end up maybe like 47, 48 points is your best case. So to me, I don't love any of these bets, but the under is the, I guess the best bet for your money. I agree. I actually like the under. This feels kind of like uh, Georgia Clemson last year, start the year. Offenses need some time to get going. Um, I'll take the under. I don't think Oregon's scoring a lot of points on the Georgia defense. They're going to be top three defense in the country. Again, new back in Atlanta. I don't see it. And I think Georgia is just going to just be more physical and just try to run the ball a lot. Um, I can see Georgia win this game, something like uh, 31 to nine or something like that, or 31, 13 or 34, 34, 17 max, which is still an under. Um, so yeah, I'm going to bet the under in this game and uh, close my eyes and hope Georgia doesn't score a lot of 80 yard touchdowns but we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like three, nothing at the end of the first quarter. That's what I'm kind of hoping. Maybe a first half under uh, like 27 might be a good bet. Um, all right. Here's a fun one. Cincinnati at Arkansas, two ranked teams. Obviously Cincinnati lost a lot. Um, they lost, um, you know, their quarterback, their running back, their wide receiver, their amazing corner. Um, they have reloaded a little bit with the portal. Uh, Arkansas uh, lost uh, their stud wide receiver Burks, but they still have KJ Jefferson and Pittman. This game is in Fayetteville. Um, the Lions, Arkansas, minus six and a half, total 52. Ryan, what you got? SEC. Tom just Tom just said it in the last in the last game. When all else fails, you just you go with the SEC team. I think Arkansas is pretty good. Um, They've definitely are the most improved SEC team over the last, you know, two years. So I think they cover this and I think they cover this actually probably pretty easily. I think maybe 17 point win. Uh, yeah. First off, thank you for setting these up in this order because I, I didn't even know this was going to happen. And I unintentionally made my argument for this game in the last game, as Ryan said, I agree a hundred percent with what Ryan said. Arkansas last year was a sneaky good team. And uh, I, I think they're going to continue that into this season. I really like Pittman as a coach. He's got them playing really physically. I think um, Cincinnati had a great season last year, but you can't expect that kind of magic to maintain. Um, I'm sure they'll be good. And the fact they're ranked 23 after losing what they lost is a real testament to Luke Fickle. So it's not an insult to them, but I really like Arkansas here. And I think this may be my favorite bet of the week, maybe Arkansas minus six and a half, get it now before it goes up to over a touchdown. I think it's pretty simple. SEC plus Sam Pittman plus KJ Jefferson at home against the new Cincinnati team, uh, being more physical. Um, 
I don't see how how you can bet Cincinnati after what you saw against Alabama where they got mauled. I think it'll be the exact same thing. I think Arkansas can hand it off for a gain of six on every play. Um, and I think they'll they'll take care of business as well. Uh, I think we're all rolling with uh, Arkansas on that one. All right, here's another very fun one. Utah at Florida. Uh, Utah minus three, total 51 and a half. Utah fresh off a Rose Bowl game against Ohio State, an amazing game, one of the best games I've seen uh, ever. Um, Florida finally shipped Dan Mullen out, and um, you know they're they're kind of um, starting over. The hype around uh, Anthony Richardson's pretty ridiculous. He's being talked about being a top ten quarterback in the draft already. I don't know if he's accurate with the football or not. Um, then again, I feel like uh, Florida definitely should have played him over Emory Jones last year just for a change of pace. But, um, you know, obviously I think Utah returns a lot. Um, Cam Rising's back. Um, Tavion Thomas, the running back's back. Uh, they still have a great defense, even though they lost Devin Lloyd. Um, if this game was, you know, in a neutral site or on the West Coast or in Utah, I would love it more. Um, being in Florida does scare me a little bit, but um, I think Utah is just uh, a better team, and I have no problem laying three myself. Ryan, go ahead and uh, confirm my selection, please. Yeah, like 70% of Utah's roster is from like South Beach. So this is, this is like the homecoming of all homecomings for like more than 50% of the roster, I swear. They're all Florida guys. Um, Florida's in trouble, dude. Utah's going to handle them, I think, week one. And then they have to play Kentucky week two. And Kentucky's pretty good, too. And Levis can can ball. There's a chance Florida starts 0-2 and people start freaking the F out about Napier. Let's all calm down in the swamp. Let's all just take off your red hat. Wipe the sweat off your brow. It's going to be okay. They're going to start 0-2, and, and that's fine. I'm calling it right now. But then they're going to get on a little run. They got USF. They got Eastern Washington, Missouri. LSU's a pile of trash. They'll be fine. They'll win their eight games. But not week one. I love Utah. Cam rising. Heisman sleeper. Let's go. Tom Z. Yeah, nothing I can really add to that. Ryan's the expert on both these teams, but I'm glad you said that about Florida because I am, I think, higher on Napier and Florida's future prospects than maybe the average person. Uh, I think it was a good hire and they're looking okay for the future, but Mullen has left them in a pretty rough spot. So it's going to take a while. I agree. Um, it's going to be a fun game, though. I'm really excited to watch that game. It's going to be a fun one. Um, Speaking of another fun Saturday night game, what an awesome week one. Uh, Notre Dame at the Ohio State University, the number five ranked Notre Dame fighting Irish with their new quarterback on the road against uh, the the onslaught offense that is Ohio State, probably the best offense in the country this year. Um, they bring in Oklahoma State's defensive coordinator, which is a huge addition because he's done wonders there. Um, it's crazy to think that the number two team is favored by 17 over the number five team. Uh, that's a pretty large spread given the ranking. 
Uh, Ohio State minus 17, total 59. Tom, what do you like? Oh, I was going to ask to go last because I I could go on for an hour about this game. So I want to let right. you guys chime in first and then I can, you know, not be redundant. No, just go ahead, Tom. Don't worry about it. All right. Where to start? Uh, the top three teams. I'm not the first person to mention this, but the top three teams in college football this year seem significantly better than everyone else. And there seems to be a huge drop off after Bama, Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, you know, TBD if a team like Utah can uh, sneak up and compete on that level. But, you know, at least right now, there's uh, three teams that seem way better than everyone else. And Notre Dame's right at that second tier. Um, Man, Ohio State, you know, they always seem dangerous on paper, so uh, it's hard to say, but they seem especially dangerous on paper this preseason. Um, You've got uh, C.J. Stroud, obviously a Heisman finalist, coming back. You've got uh, Jackson Smith-Najigba, who did one of the best Rose Bowl performances ever, and I think uh, perhaps we're starting to see that there's maybe like Devonte Smith type potential where he's kind of buried on a roster of like four or five great receivers and might be in the third or fourth spot. And then he finally gets to be like the man and everyone realizes like, Oh my God, this guy was the best of all of them. So, you know, I think there's great potential for that. Um, they lost a couple first round pick receivers, but don't worry. Cause they've got Mr. Marvin Harrison jr. Now stepping up into the full-time role, killing it on the field every week. Uh, oh yeah. Um, I don't know how many, how familiar people are outside of the big 10 country with Travion Henderson. Uh, I think people know the name, but I don't, I think as a big 10 fan, he seems like one of the more electrifying Ohio state running backs in a long time. Um, and I'm worried about him. Like, I actually think he might have better Heisman potential than the other guys this year. So they got like three guys who could potentially win the Heisman, which means they'll probably cancel each other out and none will. But, and then they have the defense, which uh, I think might was starting to slip slightly under Ryan day, but now uh, this move might bring them back on the other side. You've got Notre Dame. This is really interesting because they're almost like starting over in a weird way, which is strange because they were good last year, but um, they've got the new coach, Brian Kelly, ditches them to go dance and have a fake Southern accent. And, uh, they've, they've kind of got to start over, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Marcus Freeman. And there was a really interesting article in the athletic about his ties to Jim Trestle and how much he talks to Trestle and how Trestle's influenced his life since he played at Ohio state way back in the day. Like they still talk all the time about major decisions and he's kind of like modeled his career after Jim Trestle. So this game is essentially Ohio state versus old Ohio state. It's like, which Ohio state do you like better? Trestle, Ohio state or Ryan day, Ohio state. I think Notre Dame's in trouble, new quarterback, new system, new coach going up against a team that is like absolutely loaded with uh, top positions coming back. I think this one could get out of hand. I, I think Ohio State's going to really make a statement. Ryan. I don't care. Either way, one of these teams starts 0-1. That makes me feel good. That's all I'm rooting for. Yep. No tie. That's all I'm rooting for. I hate both these teams, and I don't give a shit. 
I do, I do too, but, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, bullshit, Tom. You're the biggest <laughs> Ohio State fan I know. I'm a closet Ohio State fan, right? <sighs> kind of. But, okay, the point is the, the point is that Ohio State's going to blow Notre Dame out. Uh, Notre Dame's got a new quarterback night game at Ohio State. This is going to go sideways for them early. I love a first half line as well. Uh, that'd be Ohio State minus ten probably. Um, just to show you how ridiculous this Notre Dame number five ranking is, what would Arkansas be at Ohio State? Ryan, just take a guess on that spread. I mean, I'm just hypothetically saying. I think it'd be the same number. I think I think Arkansas at Ohio State would be probably the same number probably 17 eight you know yeah i'd say 17 i think it's between 14 and a half and 17 i think you're right um what would arkansas against notre dame be at where um neutral field arkansas minus two that's what i'm and I, I would put, I'd make Arkansas a three-point favorite, three-and-a-half, four-point favorite over Notre Dame on neutral field. Arkansas is ranked 19th and Notre Dame's fifth. Complete joke. Notre Dame is not the fifth-best team in the country, not even close. Uh, they're more like 20th, I think. And I think they lose this game something like 52-16, to 16, something like that. And uh, they go, well, it's a tough spot for a first First-year coach, a new quarterback. Everyone move on. But if you bet Notre Dame in this game, you're insane. Ohio State's going to lay the wood to them early, often. Absolute blowout. I'll Favorite tell you for a, for a prop, I think Ohio State's going to f- score first possession. Touchdown first possession, which is why you'd be a little crazy to bet Notre Dame because it's going to be. I think it's going to be 7-0 right out of the gate. Tom, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to say that earlier, and I was waiting for, for the moment to, to bring that up. I think that's the absolute best betting play for week one is first quarter overs because we talk about it on Take the Points more than anyone else talks about it, the script. Yeah. These teams have scripted out their first drive for the last two to three weeks of camp. They've been, they know exactly what they're going to run on that first drive. So there's some really, really good value for first quarter overs just for that reason, like possession score, possession score, and then live on it's going to go freeze. Yep. Live under exactly. Like, uh, like in the Oregon, uh, Georgia game, you might want to watch sessions and then bet the under when it's like live 62 and a half. And you're like, well, no one's going to score in the third quarter. So don't worry about it. Pretty good. Okay, uh, let's keep going here. Another night game. Louisville at Syracuse. Uh, Carrier Dome. We got Malik Cunningham, uh, dark horse Heisman candidate. Uh, A lot of talent there. At Syracuse, who's going to just be a power running team. They're going to be, this is like 1950s football. They got Garrett Schrader at quarterback slash quarterback who can't throw the ball, can only run it. And Sean Tucker, great running back as well. Syracuse is, is is in a position to actually do okay this year if they can get a lead and just run the ball nonstop. Uh, is it going to happen, or is Malik going to get a lead and they're completely fucked? I have no idea. Ryan, take it away. Oh, thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. 
Well, the thing about this game is it involves Dino Babers. And when we have to talk about Dino Babers, we have to go down Indian School Road. We're going to hook a left on 24 on 16th Street, and we're going to head south on 16th Street till we get to Sky Harbor. And the Sky Harbor is a, is a big airport, and there's all sorts of people just wandering around. Dino is going to be one of those guys. We're on the tarmac report, people. It's time. Let's go. I've missed it so much. Oh, boy. Set okay. this up for, for any new listeners, you know, just a quick description okay. of how it came to be that we do the tarmac report. So the tarmac report came up because our favorite coach, Lane Kiffin, was famously left on the tarmac here in Phoenix, Arizona at Sky Harbor Airport after a loss to ASU. So in honor of Lane, we like to count down the coaches most likely to get left on the tarmac after a game. Oh boy. We usually do a top five for the rest of the year. I'll keep it at a top five the best I can, but this is week one. This is a special week. So we're going to have a trio of honorable mentions to start off. Number one, Dan mentioned him earlier. He was tempting me. He was trying to bait me into this. Neil Brown at West Virginia. Oh, you're on a, you're on a very hot seat. I'm going to give you the Graham Harrell air raid benefit of the doubt. And I'm not putting you in the top five until I see what kind of changes Graham Harrell is allowed to make. But I got my eye on you. A staple of the tarmac because he's been fired so many times and continues to get jobs. He's down in Florida. His name is Willie. Mr. Taggart. Oh, Mr. Taggart. We got our eye on you. I got plenty of time this year to hammer you. I'm going to let you off easy week one. Honorable mention. And round, correct. I'm going easy on him. I got some other candidates. Third on the honorable mention list is Brian Harson. Oh, my favorite. Here we you go. did not make the top five, and here's why. Because Auburn has a really easy schedule to start the year. Mercer, win. San Jose State, win. The Penn State game, probably going to lose that, but they're going to put up a good fight at home. It's a home game. Then they get Missouri, win. And then they get LSU, probably going to beat them too. All five of those games are at home. So there's no tarmac possibilities when you're, when you're playing hard home games. But don't worry, Mr. Harson. When you have at Georgia, home versus Mississippi, Ole Miss, or sorry, at Georgia, at Ole Miss, back-to-back, that could get ugly. They're going to let him come home and get stomped by Arkansas, and then he's going to go to Starkville. And Leach's dumbass is gonna shang sung him. I can't wait. <laughs> Coach Meme is gonna be all over that one. All right. That's the honorable mentions. We got our eye on them. 
here comes the top five. Number five, Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech. We gave you some leeway. We let you come in and try to transition from a triple option team to a modern uh, college football program. You're coming into year four. That means your recruits are now seniors. Unfortunately, the kids you recruit that were any good have all transferred out, like your star running back who potentially could win the Heisman at Alabama this year. That's going to be hilarious. So Jeff Collins, probably not going to make it through the year. At number four, the hometown kid, Dino Babers. Oh, Dino. Dino, you're in trouble, man. Like Dan said, if you don't get up to a lead early, just just zero chance. Tucker's really good, but he's not he's not a big play guy. He's just a grinded out good solid running back. He's not going to break a lot of 60-70 yard touchdown runs. They're just not going to score. He's in trouble for an offensive guru, quarterback guru. He hasn't done squat. Number three, we're going to get out of the power five. We're going to go see an old friend of ours down near the the home of Walmart, down in Arkansas, Butch. Oh, Butch, you can't hide from me down in that dump of a state. We're going to find you no matter where you are, you bum. Butch Jones, you're not going to make it to week seven. It's the best. Your red tomato face screaming at refs for no reason. Ah, oh, can't wait. It's gonna. I'm gonna miss you come bowl season. Number two, right here in town. Speaking of Sky Harbor Airport, Herm Edwards. They might not let him get tarmacked. I think he's just going to sneak out in a golf cart over to the Scottsdale private airport and him and his, his agent slash AD are going to just get on a plane. They're going to head out to like Torrey Pines and they're just not going to come back. It's going to be great. You're going to just all of a sudden they're going to be like, we don't know where Herm is. He's not at practice. And you're just going to see an Instagram post of him on hole seven at Torrey Pines. Like Herm oh, is going to be like the uh, episode of Seinfeld where Kramer had the fake job and then they fired him. And he's like, I didn't even really work here. Pretty much. That's, that's Herm. And at number one, there is no other number one. We've covered him plenty. Scott Frost, you are the number one on the tarmac. Savor it. Enjoy it. You are the crown prince who's been number one for three straight seasons on the tarmac, and I will be right. I am convinced. This is the year. Let's go. Well done. Well done, Ryan. Very nice. Can I say that I went the last seven or eight months not thinking about Butch Jones, and (laughs) now he's been thrust back into my life. So, uh, oh. not unexpectedly, oh, but it was just like, uh, oh, I almost had like a bout of PTSD hearing the name. <laughs> All right, Very folks, good. we got, uh, we got eight minutes left before zoom kicks us out. So let's see if we can bring this home. Danny, what do we got left? We two games left to talk about in one segment. We're going to knock two out of three out of the way right here. Florida state at LSU Sunday night. Who needs the NFL when you got 
Mike Norvell and Brian Kelly playing. Um, interesting game. LSU minus three, total 51 and a half. No one knows what to expect from LSU. They do have a stud wide receiver. Um, we'll go top 15 in the draft. Uh, um, a lot of other question marks. Um, Norvell, Florida State, started 0-4, but then they played much better the second half of the year. Jordan Travis looked a lot better. Um I'm going to take Florida State in the three points just because I think it's a close game. I don't want to lay any points. Could be a weird, like, 23-21, 26-24 type game. I think the three might come in handy. Um, more importantly, new segment on Take the Points. This one's called NIL. Oh, yes. See? Historical nil or NIL. Okay. Please you, want, explain. You, you can, you want me to explain? Okay. So we had this idea of like players who existed before the nil era, uh, what, you know, if they were allowed to sign deals, what would it be? And so, you know, we made some jokes about some obvious ones, Vince Young signing a deal with the cheesecake factory to represent the menu, Tim Tebow selling, you know, Bibles or crosses or something. Uh, but then you guys came up with some really clever ones. So, I think we're going to make this a running segment where we do one, maybe a week, much like Coach's Restaurant. But for this week, I figured we could just start with some rapid fire ones and you guys can just throw out whatever uh, historical players and what kind of deals they would assign. So take it away. All right. Dan. I think we should focus on only Florida State and LSU players, seeing there's so many of them over the years. Uh, I'll start really easy. Jameis Winston, Red Lobster. Uh, crab legs, so cheap it feels like you're stealing. That would be an easy one for him. Um, LSU, we could, there's so many to choose from. Um, let's go with the honey badger. Uh, Tyron Mather going with uh, Honey Nut Cheerios. I think that's a natural transition. Uh, he's into honey, and uh, there's a lot of honey in the Honey Nut Cheerios. So, I think those are two good ones. What I else think, do you guys uh, got? I mean, I, if we're sticking to these teams, I think maybe Robitussin would be interested in signing a past LSU quarterback. <laughs> Jamarcus Russell, Robitussin. Because all you need is like two more ingredients and you got yourself a Saturday night. Ryan, you want to add Ryan. anything to this? Okay, I got a couple. <laughs> Dan, I can't believe you missed the Tyron Matthew with, with cure leaf. That was just sitting right there. Yeah. Legal, legal weed. It's right there for you. You just, you, you, come on. You left Very it for me. Very good. Okay. Uh, Florida state. We're going to go back to our high school days and Peter Warwick. Look, Dick Sporting Goods, they got your back. All the jerseys that you need, you don't have to, to boost any more clothes. They're going to hook you up. You're good to go. You're going to look fresh. It, don't worry about it, Peter. Your Heisman is safe. There's so many of these. We'll be sure to go through these throughout the year. Stay tuned for, when, for many more comparisons. So many ahead. All right, last game of the night, quickly. Clemson and Georgia Tech. Um I'm not seeing a line for this game posted. Uh, I've got 22. Okay, 22 for Clemson. And a, All right, this a is 51 real, total. Okay, real simple. Just bet the under. 
Uh, Clemson offense still sucks until further notice. Every game last year for them went under. Their defense is going to be ridiculously good this year, uh, even though they don't have uh, Venables. Georgia Tech, no good coach, no good players, under, 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 under. Um, Clemson wins this game, what, 39-6, to something like that, 38-3, I mean, under. You guys got anything else to add on that, under that? I'm going to add real quick. Uh, Arizona plus six like that coastal Carolina minus two like that Memphis plus 16. Love that. Those are my three. Uh, one was, we didn't talk about just give those out real quick. I would also like to add, uh, in, um, old dominion plus seven and a half home against Vatek. Old dominion made a bowl game last year. They returned a lot of players. Vatek is in complete turmoil transfers out. No players. Total dumpster fire of a team. Give me the seven and a half at home with Old Dominion to keep that game close or win outright. Wouldn't be shocked. Every year, um, the first week of the season, there's a couple small uh, small conference schools beat a Power Five school. So, Fod Tech would not be surprised if they lose outright. Time you got anything? Do you mention Kentucky? No. No. So Kentucky, uh, you know, ranked twentieth with. Uh, Star Will Levis minus 16 and a half at home against Miami, Ohio. Feels like they should, feels like they should push around a Mac team, especially if they're as good as we think they're going to be. Very good. All right. That's enough for this week. Uh, Looking forward to the games. We'll learn a lot this week and uh, keep listening to take the points in all our great segments. Good night, everyone. Take the point. 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 Take the point.